0: Hey, welcome to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast. I'm your host, John Jang, and on this episode, we dive a little bit deeper into this.
1: I don't think I've ever seen people thank bus drivers like they do here.
0: Why do we say thank you when we're getting off the bus? Let's tap in to What's the Tea.
2: The next station is...
1: Welcome to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast.
0: In the previous episode, we discussed transit ics, the do's and don'ts when taking public transportation. And that allows us to now take a step back and examine transit-specific social behavior. Now, transit etiquette definitely plays a role in all of this, but we are going to need an expert today who can really explain why we do the things we do on public transit.
1: It's really, really fun to get on the bus and have a kind of your sociology eyeglasses on.
0: This is Dr. Amy Hanser, an associate professor for the University of British Columbia's Department of Sociology. Dr. Hanser studies human social relationships and institutions, and she also happens to be a regular TransLink customer.
1: All public spaces involve certain norms of interaction, especially between strangers, and public buses are are they're like a theater right they're like a stage where you can sit and watch how people interact with each other Um, so for example just this morning on the bus and on on the SkyTrain it was really fun to watch all of the ways that people navigate uh, and negotiate with each other Um, the bus is a really fascinating space where you you know you get on the bus because you're going somewhere right so the bus isn't really the purpose of your trip but you have to do something with your attention once you're on there, right? And so how people make themselves available to others and then withdraw and keep themselves occupied. All of those things are so interesting.
0: The interactions we have on transit is very unique. Like it's unlike the interactions that we might have in a grocery store. And I think the very Canadian example of a grocery store interaction is if we have to get by somebody in an aisle, I think we all do the Oh, just coming through here or, oops, pardon me. And that might be it. But the interactions that we'll have with each other in transit, a little bit different. And sometimes maybe a little bit more like intimate is the word that I'm thinking of, though I'm not sure it's exactly the right one.
1: Yeah, actually, one of the ways that I think about transit is, you know, often when people write about public space in cities in particular, they they represent it as this space where we encounter Strangers, people who are different from us. It's where the like vibrancy of the city is located. But if you actually think about it, there's not a lot of spaces where we're in close proximity with strangers. And your example of the grocery store is an ex- is a good one, right? Where it's it's very fleeting. But on the bus, you're actually you have much more of a sustained proximity to people you don't know. and and for that reason, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a more demanding space um, and sometimes more fun, but it does mean that it's a different, it's, fair, it's quite different from walking down the street or even being in a park or something like that. It's, it's a very distinct uh, public space.
0: I always find it fascinating that I tend to notice that there are like patterns. When I'm taking the bus, for example, and if it's not too busy, everyone tries to distance themselves by at least one seat. There's always that one courtesy rule that's unwritten. It's mm-hmm. not written anywhere in TransLink policy. We know that much but we always try to give each other at least one space in between just so that it feels like we can respect people's boundaries. And yet during rush hour, we ignore that policy because, you know, convenience is a high demand. It's in high demand at that time. So how do we make those decisions in the moment? Is it just something where we all acknowledge that there's a time and place to respect those boundaries?
1: I So I think it actually, uh, I don't think everyone does it the same. And I agree with you entirely that depending on how crowded the bus is and the time of day, that there's these different norms about uh, how much you space yourself. And I actually, when you actually do sort of systematic observations, it's really fun when you see people spacing themselves and then you see someone violate the norm and you're like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting that. But people do all the time, actually. So they're not they're not universal norms. Uh, just this morning on the bus, I watched a young woman who had her backpack on the seat next to her and I kept watching to see when she would move it. And she did. She moved it much later than I would have. Um, I thought the bus was already pretty crowded, but she waited until there were still just a few seats open and then she removed her backpack. So uh, I think it's something that we, yeah, these are unspoken rules and we learn them and, uh, and not everybody follows them and and, uh, and that can make people unhappy when they're riding the bus. Um, and even people who follow them don't all have consensus on when, you know, what exactly the rules are, which again makes the bus this kind of negotiated space um, that can sometimes be uncomfortable, right? When when somebody's not doing what you think they should be doing.
0: From what you're talking, it, it sounds like you are more of a bus taker or bus rider than you might be with the SkyTrain or the Z-Bus or the West Coast Express. So let's get into one of the more interesting quirks about the bus, and that is when you get to the very back, there's a particular set of seats that face one another, and there's not a lot of leg room, which means if you were to fill every single seat, people's knees would have to be lined up like dominoes where it's one person's knee and then another person's knee and then so forth and so on. How do you think people deal with that particular setup? Because I think it's a very, uh, like it requires a decent amount of coordination and communication if people want to sit like that the way that it's designed.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. I think it, it requires coordination and it may be something that we don't appreciate about transit is how much Courtesy people are constantly extending to each other. I really think we don't we don't always recognize like this kind of collective accomplishment of being in crowded spaces and m- for the most part ac- accommodating everybody um, and. Uh, yeah, and some people, like like we were saying before, some people don't follow the rules the way you'd hope. You know, somebody sits with their legs spread open. And uh, I actually did an interview with a young man who said that he, he, quite a tall young man, he said he would purposely sit next to the man spreaders mm-hmm. to force them to to pull their legs in. And I was like, oh, that's like a kind of vigilante bus rider, right, who's <laughs> like enforcing the rules. Um, but uh, But I, you know, so, so sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes there's somebody who... Messes up the whole system and makes everyone uncomfortable, but mostly people really coordinate quite well, Um, and they do it in those spaces. They do it when they get on and they move out of the way for each other. Um, I I think every time I ride the bus, I'm I'm constantly seeing all these uh, small courtesies that people extend to each other, which I I think also makes the bus a really um, interesting space to observe.
0: I'm sure you've noticed it as well, but the interactions that people have with the operator, the drivers, mm-hmm. that's also very special sometimes because I think maybe I'm wrong here, but over the course of a few months, if you're a student or if you're just consistently going to work, taking the same bus route every day, you will get to know the bus driver kind of well, but also not very well at all. So maybe take us into that particular relationship.
1: Yeah. So I, I actually, I think it's one of the things that makes the bus so distinct from, from SkyTrain is the presence of... The bus driver, um, and bus drivers are really interesting. You know, from a from a sociological perspective, the study of social interactions, drivers are are what you might call a kind of open. Uh, they they occupy an open position, meaning that they're somebody that people can initiate interactions with freely, right? Like they're they're a position of authority. They're somebody, so they're they're very exposed to interactions with other people because of their position. Um, I also feel like they, inf- they influence the, the culture of the bus, right? Having someone in a position of authority at the front is really different than being on one of those SkyTrain cars with nobody in a position of authority on. Um, so there's lots to think about there. And I haven't actually fully thought through how that shapes the bus. Um, but I agree with you that people get used to having a certain bus rider. You know, if you take the same bus every day, you have, you'll have the same driver. And over the years, I've had lovely interactions with drivers, um, including, you know, getting on with one kid and the driver saying, where's your brother? You know, is he sick today as you go to school? Like really um, quite lovely. Um, and I've also seen drivers really look after people. Um, uh, I mean, they can really play an important role in um, I think, it's a, I think that's a challenging part of their job to, to get that right. But um, I think a lot of people do forge relationships with bus drivers. And then, of course, you lose them, right, when the schedules change.
0: It's one of those unique things about being an operator because I think it's a very – it's a difficult job. And I don't know that how many people realize that it's more than just driving a bus. It is – developing these quasi relationships with the people that you pick up all the time. And yeah, when those uh, service changes come into effect, you know, I think there's a little bit of sadness probably both ways because the operators might not get the same passengers and the passengers might not get the same operators. So uh, until those changes kind of reset later on in the year, uh, there's this little pause or or a moment where you just kind of have to adjust. But to that point, one thing that um, I want to ask you, since you've mentioned you took a bus in Sweden, Mm-hmm. When passengers got off that bus, did they thank the driver the way that Vancouverites kind of do here?
1: I don't think I've ever seen people thank bus drivers like they do here, but I do feel like uh, it's a habit that people pick up really quickly once you come here. It just feels like the right thing to do, and it's actually very funny to get off the bus way out at UBC at the like last stop when the bus is filled with people. And it's just, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's, uh, it, yeah, it's a very entrenched norm. I, I think it's wonderful. I think it, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how, I often wonder how the bus drivers feel when like 30 people thank them rapidly in a row. Like you can't respond to all of those thank yous. Um, or if it feels like it's just a ritual that people go through. But um, I, I, Having ridden a bus in numerous other places transit and transit in other places, I, f- I feel like the drivers here, their level of uh, courtesy and care towards passengers is exceptional. And I don't know if that mm. if there's a connection there between uh, people saying thank you and actually having like genuinely high levels of service uh, on transit.
0: OK, let's hit pause on that for just a quick moment and just be really honest here. Do you say thank you when you're getting off the bus? I like to believe that it's something most of us do. I mean, it's a small but very kind gesture that takes no effort at all. Well, producer Alan and I travel to the Hamilton Transit Center in Richmond to hear directly from the operators themselves and hear what they have to say about all of this, especially when it comes down to you saying thank you. Well, personally, I think it's kind of natural to say thank you. We're Canadian, aren't we? After all, the please and thank you goes a long way. Uh, Most parents teach it to their kids at a young age. As a matter of fact, this morning I had probably a a two-and-a-half-year-old get off the bus and say,
2: Mr. Bus Driver, thank you for
0: taking me to school. That was the first time I'd had, you know, a full sentence like that. Kind of makes your heart feel good, right? Because, You know, we're we're all out there, you know, busting our, our humps for each other, and when you get, you know the thank you and that, it's just kind of a courteous courtesy, I should say, that uh, that goes uh, goes a long way.
2: Thank you is a good. Appreciate, you know. Why so not?
0: Has anyone ever given you a gift, like maybe for? a holiday? Uh, just candy. Oh, candy. Just candies, yeah. What's your favorite candy? My favorite chocolate, dark chocolate. Yeah. 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 Final thoughts then. When people say thank you, and maybe sometimes it's it's you know. One after the another. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As they're trying to get off the bus. Is that? You so you're smiling right yeah, now. Does yeah. that make you
2: smile? Uh, make a me happy. Yeah. I'm saying okay, good day. Have a good day, and whatever I say. <laughs> yeah.
0: It becomes a nice little rhythm. That's right. Okay. They
2: happy. I'm happy. I notice when people don't say thank you more than I notice when people say thank you. Interesting. Because I hear it every all the time. Mm. The thank you. So I always go, you're welcome, and a wave. So,
0: do you ever have like the regulars that come on yes. when you're on, oh, what is that like? Do you ever build relationships with some yes. of these
2: folks? Oh. oh yeah, all the time.
0: Maybe go into that a little bit more because I think when people say like you build relationships, what does that really mean? Is it just like, hey, how are you? How was how your day sort of thing?
2: Yeah, I call them my people. Ah. And uh, when I see the same people every day and they're not there, for instance, I'll be looking for them. Mm. And I'm like, and the next day they'll come on, and go, where, where are you? <laughs> you know, I was looking for you.
0: I was worried <laughs> okay. about you.
2: Yeah. And they'll say, oh, I got a ride. I say, well, that's not acceptable. You're yeah. supposed to be with me. Yeah. You know, so it becomes like this rapport, and you know, Oh, that's really fun. Kind of fun thing, you know. Yeah. So. And
0: I think it helps to, like, personalize yeah. the whole commuting experience, right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So then likewise, when you notice your regular, your people, maybe one of them isn't there that day, they probably notice when you're not there that day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they'll give you the same sort of attitude right back. Like, where you've been?
2: Yeah. Well, no, they're just like, you know, were you sick or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I had a sick day or whatever. Or, or you know, I had to do a different route that day or I'm off those days. And they go, oh, OK. So they'll, know, they'll get to know what shift you are and what, you know, whatever, right? Right. They get to know what, sh- what, your, your, what your schedule is.
0: You know how when people say thank you when they get off the bus? Yes. How does that make you feel?
2: Wonderful. Yeah? <laughs> Special. <laughs> I like it.
0: Yeah? Yeah. So when people don't say thank you, how does that make you feel?
2: It's okay. i just thinking they're having a bad day, maybe. Or,
0: or busy. Or right. busy,
2: yeah. yeah. Or they just forget. But, well, it's a little bit sad.
0: <laughs> so then I'm wondering too, because like you've been with yeah, CNBC for a few years. You've gone through some like holidays too. Have you yes. ever gotten a gift from anyone? Just being like, thank you for being a bus operator.
2: I think I got a flower one time. Oh! Yeah.
0: Tell me more about that. What, what was happening on that day? It was just a really nice person?
2: Yeah, it was just a nice person. He had an extra flower. I guess he was sticking to somebody and he gave me.
0: And you put it in your hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah,
0: I uh, know. So then I'm wondering too, do you recognize customers sometimes? Like regular customers? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And do you start to make friends with certain people like that?
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah you know, like, um, have a good day, um, see you tomorrow.
0: When you get pulled to a different shift, a different route, does it make you sad a little bit? Because you know you won't see them for a little while. Uh,
2: Yes, actually. Well, it does to me. (laughs) Yeah. I tend to pick the same um, routes all the time because I get used to the same people.
0: And do they ever say, where have you
2: been? Oh, yeah, when I'm on vacation, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who would wonder where you've been? (laughs) Thank you.
0: Quick, easy, and such a nice thing to do. And now we know for sure, operators love it when you take the time to say thanks. And let's face it, you'll feel good about it too. All right, let's get back to our chat with Dr. Hanser. What about the sort of secret friends is the way we like to term <laughs> it. the This particular phrase we give to each other, when we know that when we take the same bus or the same SkyTrain every morning and every afternoon, you look around, and you'll tend to notice the same people. They might not be people you know. More frequently, it's people that you just kind of notice because you just happen to share the same route. What do you think that interaction is like? And do we ever muster the courage to one day be like, hey, I noticed that we happen to take the same bus together all the time. My name is XYZ. And then it's the beginning of a wonderful friendship.
1: So I sus—I suspect that does happen sometimes, um, but probably relatively infrequently. I've, I've also heard the term bus friend used as, uh, you know, s- these people, you know, you know them, but you don't know them, and you you share a bus schedule with them. Um, some years ago, I actually had students in a class do interviews with people about their experiences riding the bus, and one student's interviewee described what he used the term bus friend for these people, and he said he didn't, he felt really torn about interacting with them. He, he decided he didn't want to because he didn't want to set up a situation where he was then obligated to maintain the relationship. Uh, so once you initiate an interaction, every f- successive encounter is going to kind of demand more of you. And he felt like he didn't quite want to take that on, uh, which I think is a fascinating... And may, may explain why people are so reticent, right, is that uh, if you do initiate an interaction with somebody, then it, it's probably going to be more established. Um, but I've definitely, I've interacted with, uh, like I've established relationships with, with quote unquote bus friends before Mm. secret friends. Um, but often they've just been like somebody that you'll then chat with on the, you know, the 20 minutes that you share on the bus or something like that. Um, but I have had bus buddies, which is people, usually they're people that I wait at the same bus stop on a regular schedule. And in my experience, it was actually other people taking their kids to and from daycare that we established, um, much more, uh, fulsome relationships where we Hmm. would, we would always talk with each other and we would often sit together and help each other with seats and things like that. So
0: there is this general narrative about Vancouver and it being a hard city to make friends with and being a hard city to maybe start, um, opening up with one another with, and yet, that seems to kind of not exist within transit because to your point we always try to be more polite more aware and more courteous with one another on on transit how do these two worlds sort of merge together to what we have now as a perceived reality in metro vancouver
1: well i guess my first comment would be i don't i don't buy the data that like, I, I've actually looked at some of those studies that claim that it's hard, that people are lonely here and it's hard to make friends. And I'm like, that, they really look like half full or half empty kind of studies. So, so I would first say I'm not convinced that actually Vancouver is any harder than any other place. Um, to make friends I think that may be more a modern condition than something specific to Vancouver um, so so that would be my first response um, but I, I do think you know there is a kind of modern condition where people maybe feel more alienated and so forth um, and does that express itself on transit? I, I don't know I, I think I mean I think overall tran- the transit system like I said is a space where people do extend a lot of courtesies to each other. And that's one of my goals in interviewing people: is understanding how they do they do they experience that. Do they experience the bus as a place of um, comfort? Uh, How do they navigate it? How do they decide where to sit? Um, Do they give up their seat to others? Do other people do that for them? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think everyone can have have bad experiences on transit, but I think um, many people have a lot of positive ones as, as well.
0: One of my favorite experiences on the Skytrain was during the, um, the 2010 Winter Olympics. And that was because every single day that I was heading downtown to participate in the festivities, like every five minutes on the Skytrain, renditions of O Canada would just randomly <laughs> break out as people were so excited. And all of a sudden, those barriers that we deal with every day on the Skytrain, non-existent. <laughs> people were friendly with each other even if you were complete strangers we were all united in this sports and patriotism and this this overwhelming sense of belonging with one another does it take special occasions like that for things to kind of go that way uh or or in your experience maybe you were here during the olympics as well like what what was your uh, observations like during that period
1: uh, yes, I would actually I would echo that, um, although i, I wasn 't traveling as far, but I, I feel like there was a general feeling of of camaraderie and and uh, and I definitely remember after the men 's hockey team won the gold medal, everyone pouring into the streets in my neighborhood, and the just effusive excitement. <laughs> But I would say yes, I think it does require special circumstances for people to feel like this is no longer just an ordinary urban public space. but. So uh, sporting events, the Olympics. But, you know, often I think after a sports game or on the way to a sports game, people can be actually much more interactive on public transit. So, yes, I would say it does actually require those kinds of special events. And I'm not sure we'd want that all the time anyway. It wouldn't (laughs) feel special, right?
0: (laughs) As Dr. Hanser has explained in great detail, transit isn't just the journey. It can be a destination in itself, a shared space where we meet and mingle with unwritten social rules guiding how we interact with one another. So the next time you're on the bus or you're on the SkyTrain, maybe you'll start to notice some of the things we're talking about here today. What are the subtle social cues you're picking up from the other people around you? Who are your secret bus friends that you might not even know about? And will you strike up a conversation with the operator driving the bus? Who knows, you might make a nice new friend. Now only you can choose for you, but a small gesture can go a very long way. My thanks to Dr. Amy Hanser for a fascinating chat on this topic, Albert Lau and all of the fine folks at the Hamilton Transit Center who let us visit and chat, our colleagues at the Coast Mountain Bus Company for their help in putting this together, and a special thanks to producer Alan for making this all happen behind the scenes and the entire digital content team at TransLink. I've been your host, John Jang. Don't forget, you can always leave us an email with your thoughts or comments at any time. You can send us a line at podcast at translink.ca. That's podcast at translink.ca. Thanks again for subscribing. And until next time, have a safe trip. Every five years or so, a large-scale travel survey known as the Regional Trip Diary is done in Metro Vancouver. These surveys provide snapshots of people's travel patterns that help improve the way we plan and move around the region. The next Trip Diary survey will take place this fall. By completing the survey, you can help us improve the way you move around Metro Vancouver. For more information, visit translink.ca slash Diary 2023.